Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Monday, a federal holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. A little bit more on that beautiful statement from the USCCB, the United States Congress of Catholic Bishops, all about this holiday and how we need to remember the great work of this great civil rights leader. A little bit more on that again in the news. And we're also going to be taking a look at a number of big stories, especially a lot of pro-life discussion while we are your pro-life radio network, but even in more detail this week because of what's coming up this weekend. Over the weekend, there was a beautiful March of Life in the Diocese of San Diego, so that's awesome. We'll have a story on that. But coming up this week, as you heard Doug mention on Friday on our Inside Word segment that we do with Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer, every week. So much amazing coverage. Gavel to gavel, as we say, including live here on the radio. So make sure you stay tuned to, of course, EWTN, Global Catholic Radio. And just a a great time to really express your pro-life views. We should be doing that every day. But it's a great time to encourage folks to tune into our coverage. I think they'd be very surprised because so many people are so... I don't want to say ignorant in terms of an insult, but unaware, I should say, is probably a better term because the secular media do not cover the different resources that are out there. And if they do cover it, as I was saying in the last hour, in the first hour of my program uh, on Ave Maria Radio, they cover it negatively. So they make pregnancy resource centers, which now outnumber, thanks be to God, abortion mills. They make them sound like they are bad people who are trying to oppress women, who are criticizing women as opposed to Helping Women. I'm going to talk about that with Lauren Zuka from Sidewalk Advocates for Life. She's going to be in D.C. on Friday. We'll also catch up with her on our live coverage on EW Chan. But she's going to look at some of the challenges that we're facing now post Roe v. Wade and how our responsibility with this push for the abortion pill and so many things that this administration is doing, the Biden administration is doing, to just go all out extremism with abortion. I mean, every abortion is extreme. But to the point of anyone, any group, not embracing gender ideology, abortion extremism, they're going after them in more ways than one, and and including a lot of the pregnancy resource centers. So we'll talk about that with Lauren. She's a president and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And then, speaking of truth about abortion and those who are claiming to be Catholic but are going directly against church teaching, There are students at Notre Dame that did a great job of calling out one of their own, one of their professors who calls herself Catholic and openly says she disagrees with certain teachings. Yeah, I agree with some teachings and disagree with others. Cafeteria Catholicism, we've seen that so often. And she was publicly endorsing, in many different platforms, abortion. And so they sat down with her. They did an interview, recorded the interview. They also showed up at places where she was talking about this, and they did their homework, as good reporters are supposed to do, and looked back on the comments she made on social media. And so they had all of this, and they had all their information, and they do a story on it. And this story, the first story, appeared last year, and we'll have the student go through the history of this. And she turns around and she sues him for defamation. And all they did was basically interview her and then put out her own statements. Well, guess what? The lawsuit gets thrown out because the judge says, you know what, sorry, this is obvious that you said these things. It was on your own social media posts, in your own statements publicly. She wrote editorials, and yet she's suing them for defamation. Well, you can't have it both ways, and so glad that there are good students out there, especially in journalism, who are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So... Some of the secular media could take some hints from these young kids. So we'll talk about that. That'll wrap up a Monday morning. They'll start at 39 minutes past the hour. Gail Buckley has a day off today. We are going to give her the day off. She's a little bit under the weather. God willing, she'll be back with us next week. Congratulations to the Detroit Lions. Uh, It's been 31 years since we had a playoff victory, and what a night it was in Motown and Motor City. I was talking about this with uh, Anna Mitchell on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain this morning. Just a a good, uh, fun night in the Motor City. I was saying that I spent uh, the afternoon and most of the day with my grandnieces, and they live uh, south of Detroit, and so I was coming home to my area in the suburbs north of the Motor City. You have to go through downtown, and it was pretty exciting because the buildings were lit up in blue and white, and the game was about to start. I got home right before the game started. 
So it was a nice uh, victory for the Lions, and also we're still uh, so proud of the Michigan Wolverines for winning the national championship. Not so proud of the weather out there, though. It is bitterly cold still in parts of the country. National Weather Service's dangerously cold temperatures continuing across much of the U.S. with new records expected to be tied or broken. And snow and freezing rain continue over the southern U.S. today, spreading into the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast through tomorrow. And downwind of the Great Lakes, heavy lake effect snowfall continuing with significant travel impacts expected. The good news is it's going to be pretty mild. At least that's what they're saying right now in the weather in D.C. Cold, but not brutally cold. It'll be in the mid to upper 30s. At least that's what they're saying right now. Thanks to Eric Dumont for sitting in for Andrew, who took the day off to be with his adorable children. Let's get started with the news. It's a Monday morning, Martin Luther King holiday, January 15th. Well, the U.S. bishops are telling us we should follow the example of the Reverend Martin Luther King and his call to action on behalf of justice and peace given divisions within our society. The bishop's statement written by Archbishop Timoth Brolio, head of the Archdiocese for the Military Services of the country and the head of the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. He said on Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we pause and reflect on Reverend King's legacy and his rallying cry in the pursuit of justice and peace. Adding that, the civil rights leader known for his I Have a Dream speech, delivered at the March on Washington in 1963, taught that we must confront the evils of racism and prejudice with the love of Jesus. Bishop Rolando Alvarez, who had been detained for over a year, Bishop Isidoro del Carmen Mora Ortega, two seminarians and 15 priests have been released. A total of 19 representatives, Vatican News is reporting, of the Catholic Church have now been freed by the Nicaraguan government. Government officials in Managua confirming the news, first reported by local media there, all arriving in Rome yesterday with the exception of one who remained in Venezuela. They are now guests of the Holy See. And protests marking the 100th day of the Israel-Hamas war in Israel yesterday with families and supporters of the remaining hostages gathered in Tel Aviv's so-called Hostage Square to mark the grim milestone. Huge weekend rallies and protests also held in Washington, including at the White House or outside the White House, thousands of protesters taking part in a rally, some carrying signs that read, No Votes for Genocide Joe, and Biden has blood on his hands and let Gaza live, and around the world calling also for a ceasefire in Gaza. And at one point, staff were removed from the White House due to safety concerns as a fencing sustained some temporary damage. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowing again yesterday that Israel will pursue victory against the terrorist group Hamas. Meanwhile, world leaders and top officials are set to gather this week in Switzerland. It will be the 54th annual World Economic Forum, the meeting which will include the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, addressing how to end the wars in both Gaza and Ukraine. It starts today and runs through Friday. The Apostolic Vicar of Southern Arabia saying recent developments in the Red Sea have not yet affected ordinary life in Yemen. However, as Thaddeus Jones reports from the Vatican, the church leaders explaining they soon could affect the peace process in that war-torn country. The military escalation in the Red Sea risks making it even more difficult for Yemen to recover from its nine-year-long war. And that's according to Bishop Paolo Martinelli, the Apostolic Vicar of Southern Arabia. In an interview with Asia News, he expressed hopes that, despite the intensification of military confrontation in the area, this will not stop the latest peacemaking efforts in the war-torn country. Yemen has experienced war and devastation since 2014, since Houthi rebels stormed the Yemeni capital, Sana'a, and toppled the internationally recognized government. The conflict has killed thousands and caused one of the world's worst humanitarian crises, with an estimated 4.5 million people displaced. The prospects of the conflict ending remain slim due to a deep gap in trust between the various sides. The eruption of the war between Hamas and Israel on October 7th could cause a further setback to this slow and difficult process. Houthi rebels have attacked cargo ships in the Red Sea in solidarity with the Palestinians of Gaza, and the U.S. and U.K. have carried out targeted raids on Houthi-controlled areas in Yemen. An art installation erected in New York in honor of those held hostage in the Israeli-Hamas war. A giant hourglass has been put up in Times Square with the message, Time is running out in support of Israel and the hostages held by Hamas. About 250 people taken captive during the terror attack in Israel on October 7th last year, with a number of hostages confirmed dead. 
as well as some who were released and 132 still held captive. The Red Cross has reportedly been able to see those in captivity, but little is known about their condition. The Department of Homeland Security and Philadelphia Police, as Brad Siegel tells us, are now investigating vandalism on a Holocaust memorial in the city. Someone drew a large swastika on the wall at the Horowitz-Wasserman Holocaust Memorial Plaza on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway. The organization that oversees the memorial calls it a disgusting act of anti-Semitism and a hate crime that comes amid a staggering spike in anti-Jewish hatred across Philadelphia and the country. They say crews are now working to remove the graffiti. Authorities say they may have caught the perpetrator on video surveillance. Pope Francis says those who follow Jesus are disciples of Jesus. In his reflections leading up to the Angelus yesterday, the Holy Father talking about our Lord's encounter with his first disciples. He said there are three steps in accepting Jesus, seeking him, staying with him, and proclaiming him. The Pope concluded by asking followers to recall their first encounter with the Lord. A march on the Pacific Coast organized by the Roman Catholic Diocese of San Diego has become an annual tradition and a very successful one. Hundreds of churches and organizations joining in the 12th annual Walk for Life there. That was in downtown San Diego on Saturday. And organizers of the pro-life march saying the goal was to help those considering an abortion discover other options and resources. Meanwhile, of course, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, stay tuned to EWTN Radio and TV all week long, especially toward the end of the week, beginning on Thursday for live. And as we said on Friday with Doug Keck, gavel-to-gavel coverage of all the events in Washington for the March for Life and Saturday for the Walk for Life West Coast. This is both TV, radio, and, of course, online as well. The extreme weather hitting the U.S. is causing power outages from the Great Lakes to the Deep South. Over half a million American homes and businesses were without power over the weekend because of the severe thunderstorms and snowstorms and windstorms that were packing some powerful, powerful winds. The fierce winds also pounding the northwest, causing nearly 200,000 customers to lose their electricity, knocking down trees. And speaking of the weather, the Iowa caucuses are here and the wind chills this evening expected to be nearly 30 degrees below zero. New Jersey's mayor and governor surveyed the damage from several storms since December on Saturday with Governor Murphy offering up some solutions. Elevating homes or buying folks out and getting them to move to a drier, more reasonable part of town. Again, easy to say, hard to execute in a very dense community like this. In Patterson, the Passaic River is beginning to recede, but it's not expected to be below flood level until Wednesday. There is a shelter in Patterson for those who need it, but Patterson isn't the only place in New Jersey dealing with flooding. The Red Cross is also helping people in Little Falls, Tom's River, and Wayne, among other areas. Oh, that was the wrong audio clip. Sorry about that. But meanwhile, back at the ranch in Iowa, the National Weather Service says it's important to remember in terms of the caucuses tonight, if you're outside at all or anywhere that's still affected by the weather, that frostbite had set in within 30 minutes for Iowa residents and to be prepared for the extreme cold. And speaking of those caucuses, at stake in Iowa, Republicans that think they're maybe the best candidate to take on President Biden in November, polls far and away show that former President Donald Trump enjoying the most support. Also on that ballot, of course, will be Trump's closest challengers, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and the former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. It is just about 13 minutes past the hour, and again, it is a holiday, so no trading today on Wall Street and no mail today. We are honoring Martin Luther King Jr. It's a federal holiday, has been for many years. And also congratulations, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, to the Detroit Lions clinching their first playoff since 1991, 24-23 victory over the Rams in the NFC wildcard round at Ford Field in Motown. 14 minutes past the hour. We'll be right back on a Monday morning. CMF Curo is a Catholic health care ministry providing families nationwide with a better solution centered around whole health, spirit, mind, and body. Our members share their medical burdens within a faith-filled community. At CMF Curo, our members have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, and other health and spiritual resources. Find out if CMF Curo is a better solution for your family. Visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. 
Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. On the next Epiphany. Love your neighbor as yourself. Vanessa Denhagarmo here. We have two guests steeped in education. Jacob Imam is the founder of the new College of St. Joseph, and Deborah Richardson Phillips has been named the new first female and African-American president of Loyola High School in Detroit. Tune in for her special Epiphany moment. Epiphany, weekdays at noon on Ave Maria Radio. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Welcome back, Catholic Connection, on a Monday of Federal Holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. On the phone with us is Lauren Muzika. She's president and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. The website, tons of info, sidewalkadvocates.org. Lauren, great to catch up with you again. I know we're going to be seeing each other in person, God willing, on Friday for the big March for Life in D.C. And I love the theme this year, Pro-Life with Every Woman for Every Child. This ties in directly with what you do at Sidewalk Advocates. Good morning. Good morning, Teresa. Yes. You know, I was reflecting on the March for Life theme this year, and I was thinking about the fact that we seek when we're at the abortion facility just to help that woman in front of us. There's always a neater set of needs that brings her to the abortion or abortion referral facility. And so, you know, as we help one mother and then the next mother and the next mother, we at one point look back and see a harvest. And that's how we're at this point in history celebrating, by God's grace, nearly 22,000 women who have chosen life for their preborn wow. babies. So wow. to God be the glory. So how do you think, given what's happened with the overturning of Roe v. Wade in 2022, how do you think your approach has changed in terms of the needs out there? And the needs have increased because there have been so many attacks on pregnancy resource centers. Are you doing things a little bit differently or changing your approach at all? What are your top priorities right now? Yeah, great question. So the heart of what we're doing on the sidewalk really hasn't changed. You know, we know that when a woman arrives at the abortion facility, she's in a whirlwind of concerns and pressures concerning her situation. And so our prerogative is to figure out why she's there, to get at her heart and let her know that there are hope, help, options, and resources for her. But in post-Roe America, in this new Dobbs era, it really is understanding the state-by-state battle. You know, in the abortion-restricted states, we see very much that the abortion industry is on the ground, working so hard to get women across state lines. And so we're at now abortion referral facilities, quite often these Planned Parenthood family planning facilities, so to speak, that are working to serve as gateways to the next nearest abortion facility 300, 600 miles away. Mm. And so we really have to understand our various states and, you know, what limitations they have and what the particular needs are of the women of our communities. Um, It's really interesting to be in some of these abortion destinations like Granite City, Illinois, Carbondale, Illinois, uh, Santa Teresa, New Mexico. You know, a lot of these cities that dot borders uh, that are uh, surrounded by pro-life areas, pro-life states. And so when a woman arrives at one of these facilities now, we have to really be the jack of all trades. We've got to know not just the resources on the ground, but the resources across the United States, what's going on in her home community, some of these you know, national networks that we can patch her into that will service her situation. We're talking with Lauren Musica, President and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life, the website, sidewalkadvocates.org. So give us a, a summary of your organization, if people aren't familiar with you, how it began and how large you are right now, Lauren. Sure. So we began about nine and a half years ago, and it really came from a need to provide for busy moms and dads 
businessmen and businesswomen this ready-made sidewalk outreach program. Um, what I noticed working for the wonderful organization 40 Days for Life National was that some people were finding some good training, but then they were fizzling out because they didn't have infrastructure mm -hmm. or support behind them. So at one point I had their blessing to leave and look at filling this need. And so in nine and a half years, we've grown to 267 teams across the United States. Wow. Puerto Rico, Mexico City, and now Colombia, so growing internationally. And we provide a ready-made training tools and support program that people just can kind of slide into. You know, they, they do a five-hour training, they sign a pledge to be peaceful, prayerful, loving, and law-abiding, and then they hit the sidewalk. And again, what's so beautiful is you just help that mother in front of you, and then you help the next mother and the next mother, and then at one point you look back and you see a harvest. Right. And so um, in that time, even because we've been able to help clients and then help even abortion workers leave the business at various abortion facilities, we've seen 55 abortion facility closures as well. So important what you're doing. I, I remember the last time we spoke, and I think it was either it was at the March or, or maybe in another radio interview, but you were saying you also have a new challenge with the prominence and the push for the abortion pill where so many women are now mm. seeing their homes as the abortion facilities. Right, right. I mean, it's basically the advent of DIY abortion at home, right? Yeah, do if it you yourself. Can get your mind around but it's all about reproductive yep. health, according to this administration, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's so traumatizing to the women who experience this. You know, one of our partners, Support After Abortion, is getting phone calls from women from their bathroom because they don't know how to process exactly what they're going through at mm -hmm. home. It's so heartbreaking. And they don't tell women this, right? They don't tell women how traumatizing this is going to be. And so we've had to ad adapt in the post-row landscape, and one of the things that we're getting ready to, to do is to deploy a team of online sidewalk advocates that will go into chat rooms, that will interface with women. Some of our advocates, some of us on the national team end up doing this anyway, where somehow we find ourselves on social media and we get wind of a woman who's asking, where can I order mail-order abortion-causing drugs, right? And then we're able to interface with her and just connect her with optionline.org or pregnancydecisionline.com and connect her with a reputable life-affirming service like that that will connect her with her local pregnancy resource center and hopefully turn her around at that point. But we really do have to be on our toes in post-Roe America because the abortion industry is working so hard to make money off of women's crises in this new era any way that they can. Online, you know, they're even talking about deploying abortion vans to our borders yeah. where, mm -hmm. where they'll dispense the abortion pill, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the thing about the abortion pill, a lot of people don't realize, is is if you're you're doing this, oftentimes now in terms of various states, without a doctor consultation. So, how do they know if the right. woman uh, is having complications? How far along she is? And this is supposedly all about reproductive health, but you don't hear this in the media, and it's so frustrating to me because women right. are struggling in addition to the emotional trauma. You have very potential and serious. Health issues. I mean, you talk about reproductive health. There's nothing healthy about this. That's right. And if a woman has is dealing with something, say, like an ectopic pregnancy right, and right. she hasn't been screened, that could be a very dangerous situation for her in her home bathroom, right? And so education is so much a part of this. But the complication rate associated with the first pill of the two-pill chemical abortion regimen, really the entire regimen, is it, it is it is huge. I mean, if this were any other medication, so to speak, if this, if this were any other regimen out there on the market, the FDA would have pulled it instantly looking at the complication rate. Right. I have several friends who are now serving in the pro-life movement who have a chemical abortion uh, experience in their background, and almost every one of them has told me their, about their experience and how horrific it was. Um, mm -hmm. Several of them had to go back to the abortion facility to be put on an IV or had to go to the emergency room because they honestly thought that they were dying. They were right. bleeding so profusely. Yeah. And so, well, Abby Johnson talks reality. about this in her book, Unplanned. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That that whole testimonial at the beginning of, of the book, Unplanned, the movie Unplanned, you know, the story of former Planned Parenthood director Abby Johnson. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the truth of what we're dealing with here. And, you know, there's so many women now that are realizing that they've been lied to and, and several of them that are filing lawsuits because of those lies and, and wanting really justice for themselves and their families. Well, I think that has to happen. We're seeing this now in this whole uh, gender ideology situation where you have these, especially mm -hmm. young people, who have so-called, quote-unquote, transitioned and have found yeah. it has made uh, their lives much, much worse, and they're detransitioning. They've testified before Congress, and there's major lawsuits that are going on. And I think when, when money talks... That's the way to get their attention. 
unfortunately. Right, right. You know. Well, and it's so interesting, Teresa, because here in post-Roe America, the abortion industry is far and deep into the so-called transgender yep. hormone They're therapy. making money off of it. Planned Parenthood, that's a new moneymaker for them. I, I think the the latest I heard is that the Planned Parenthood is the second largest provider of the so-called transgender hormone therapy. And we have, I mean, our sidewalk advocates are watching young people go in to get, again, so-called cross-sex hormones. And they're having to minister now to this type of client yeah. and plant seeds and, you know, give them information about the opportunity to slow down and to reverse course. And so we're working closely with the Ruth Institute on literature and on what to say to these clients, at least plant seeds in their lives, because, right. and this is a whole agenda that is attached to the abortion industry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunately unending. There's so much fallout. More with Lauren Musica, President and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life, on a Monday morning edition of Catholic Connection. It's January 15th, and a reminder... You can find out all the great coverage, what we're doing for the March for Life in D.C., for the Mass on Thursday night, everything that's going on. Again, gavel to gavel coverage, EWTN.com will be in D.C. and San Francisco as well. And more with Lauren after the break. Twenty-eight minutes past the hour. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN's Catholic Connection, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Find us both online at AveMariaRadio.net and EWTN.com. Having a very important conversation, which will continue, God willing, on Friday when I meet up with Lauren again in person. Lauren Muzika is the president and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. Great information, great resources, SidewalkAdvocates.org. Gosh, Lauren, so many issues we can discuss and look forward to seeing you on Friday at the March uh, when we do some interviews uh, before the rally. One thing that's extremely frustrating, and you know this, our battle in Michigan, we were one of the first with, um, God help us, Prop 3 in 2022. And we really, the pro-life, and you know Michigan, we've had so many great Mm -hmm. pro-life leaders, Barb Listing from Right to Life in Michigan just retired, so many others, Right to Life Mm -hmm. Lifespan and other groups out there really fighting to speak the truth about Prop 3. And when you sat down and talked with people after the fact, they would say, well, you know, I was scared because I thought, these are people who said they were pro-life. I believe the commercials and the ads that were saying it was going to affect women negatively and they wouldn't get this, they wouldn't get that. It was the exact opposite of what the ads from Planned Parenthood and the pro-aborts were saying because the media, they just, the ads, they were just lying as many political ads often do, but the fear factor works. And that's what's so frustrating. You saw this in Ohio. You saw this in Kansas. How do we get that, win that argument to explain to people the exact opposite is actually happening? It, you know, you nailed it, Teresa. Fear has been such a part of these ballot propositions that the abortion lobby has been so sneaky in the way that they've lumped in other issues alongside the abortion issue in order to push this through. And so we have had pro-life Christians that literally have gone into the voting booth and voted for abortion until the point of birth because they really did not know what they were voting for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely unbelievable. And so, you know, there's a lot of talk in the pro-life movement about being a bit more proactive about this. Maybe, for example, in our various states, passing some sort of human life amendment, getting that that in the state constitution, because we know that the state constitution is king, right? And mm-hmm. so if we can get that in our constitutions, maybe we have a way of proactively getting ahead of this. But the other thing, really, it, it does come down to education. You know, if people are concerned about health care access or about health and life of the mother, where maybe we need to facilitate an early delivery of a child or ethical ectopic pregnancy treatment or things like this, that's already available to us. This has already been part part of the practice of medicine. So we need to get this news out that a lot of times the abortion lobby is crafting these things in such a way that they're confusing the populace and the pro-life Christian populace that's getting ready to walk into the voting booth. And so, again, education is such a part of what this is going to be about going forward. Are we doing better in helping people understand to to break away from, because I see this happening with with certain groups where many people are now just identifying as independents and, and are ignoring the party politics and really are fed up with what's going on and are looking at at the issues because there's so many people that I know and you probably have it in your own circle as well that refuse to break away from a particular party because that's where they've always voted you know they've always done this and and they can't vote differently they refuse to look at the platform and the issues and just vote party politics are we finally waking up in this country do you think I pray so you know 
parties change, but principles never do. And I think that that needs to be our message, that the pro-life issue, the abortion issue, is the preeminent issue of our times. What other issue is more important than the death of more than 60 million children? You know, life is our first gift right after Christ himself. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've got some more work to do uh, in the church and in the pro-life movement, helping people to understand that there's no other issue that that compares to this one. This is the one right from which all other rights flow. And so we've got a moral obligation to get that news out to our friends and neighbors and to make sure that when we walk into the voting booth, that is that is the issue, right? That is the issue that we need to be voting on. So it's going to be interesting to see this election cycle. Uh, You know, we're still feeling that there's a lot of tension, um, especially here in the post-row uh, era, but um, I'm optimistic that at least in our circles, we're winning more people over to the issue of life. Yeah, what you do is so important. And by the way, we're talking to Lauren Musica, President and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. The website is sidewalkadvocates.org. It's it's it really is evangelization, hands-on evangelization, Lauren, because you're doing this yeah. as the early Christians did, basically one-on-one, right? That's right. That's right. No, I mean, this is the epitome of the gospel, right? The Lord sent them out in twos. He sent them out with (laughs) very basic materials, and he said, go preach the gospel. And I can't imagine a better way to preach the gospel than meeting that woman in crisis in front of an abortion facility, an industry that swoops in and tries to tell her that she needs to take the life of her child to get the life that she wants. And we How insulting to women. You talk about not not being a feminist. Mm -hmm. How insulting to women that that's the best they can offer is an abortion. I know. What a horrible product, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. And we just have this beautiful opportunity to speak peace and hope into our circumstances. Teresa, I was just on the sidewalk in Cleveland, Ohio, the busiest abortion facility in the state of Ohio, which, by the way, just voted for abortion until the point of birth. And literally, we most beautiful say this woman walks straight out the front door, Teresa, to me and to our sidewalk advocates. I've never seen anything like it. And she goes, thank God I'm out of there. I'm out of there. And she just needed to tell us on the sidewalk that she had changed her mind that she was literally running from the darkness of the abortion facility isn't that amazing yeah it is and you know and the other thing being this is an election year what's driving as you said lauren the people to women families to abortion mills is because of the economy that's right yep finances are the number one issue that bring a woman to the abortion facility and so uh, it is amazing that really you can just tell a woman we can help with rent groceries a place to live right clothes right yep Mm -hmm. yep strollers and Pregnancy centers are just, they are the jack-of-all-trades in our backyards, and we are so honored to be a team for life with our pregnancy resource centers that outnumber abortion facilities more than four to one. We're so grateful for them, and so we work to be a gateway to those life-affirming resources in our backyard, and yeah. that, that is saving lives each and every day. And we have to get the word out more about pregnancy resources. We had, uh, I think you probably heard the story, as one of my friends is on the board of a local pregnancy resource center. She goes to our parish, amazing uh, pro-life witness. Her first name is Jeannie, but she's on the board of one of our pregnancy resource centers in Detroit that was attacked over Christmas of 2022. And, mm. you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. The stories, I have to say, that the media locally who covered the story actually went inside the pregnancy resource center and showed the store, showed all of the things that they offered, gave the director a chance to talk about the services. This is what we need for people to see what really goes on, that we're not just sitting there say, and, and, and you know, tossing women inside and saying, well, you figure this out. They're actually right. providing basic resources and then some with parenting classes and all different kinds of educational opportunities for families who are struggling. This is what we need to put out there. That's right. And the idea, too, that we are willing to walk with that woman as long as she needs Amen. us. And look, you know, Amen. we want to get her on her feet. And healthy women don't want someone walking after them for the rest of their lives. But, you know, I, that woman who walked out of the abortion facility on Friday morning uh, in Cleveland, I gave her my name and phone number. And I said, if you just want to text me, if you want to yep, talk, talk, if you want to process, whatever you need, whatever you need. And that's our message to women is we are there for you. You are not alone. And we're going to be there as long as you need us so that you can get on your feet and have a healthy, happy, and holy family. Amen. Lauren, thank you so much. Safe travels to D.C. And God willing, see you Friday morning in front of the rally stage at the mall where Lauren will be with me during our coverage of the March for Life. Lauren is the president and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. Are you going to have a booth, too, at at the conference there at the expo? We will. We'll be there. All right. Well, we'll see you Friday. God willing, Lauren Muzica, again with Sidewalk Advocates for Life. 
Sidewalk Advocates, or actually, yeah, SidewalkAdvocates.org. Speaking of pro-life, talking to a very pro-life student at Notre Dame, a journalist, did a great job of reporting the truth and made a huge difference. We'll be right back. got quite a bit of coverage, both in the secular as well as Christian and conservative media, and it's a story about a pro-abortion professor on the campus of Notre Dame who was pretty vocal about her opinion, and so the Catholic uh, newspaper, the Irish Rover, uh, talked to her, did an interview, did some stories, and actually followed her history of her pro-abortion position, and she was upset when the stories uh, first hit uh, you know, the paper and hit online. She said they defamed her. Well, you can't have it both ways. On the phone with us is Joe Durrill, and he was uh, very, very involved in this coverage uh, from the very beginning. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. Great job on this story. Take us back to last year when this all started. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. So this started in the summer of 2022, around mm-hmm. the time that uh, Dobbs was being decided to overturn Roe v. Wade. And a couple of professors, including this one, Professor Kay at Notre Dame, started writing opinion pieces in various journals arguing that abortion restrictions are bad health care policy, et cetera. So I started kind of following her public stance then, kind of paying attention to what she was saying, assuming that we would maybe write a story at some point the next fall. But in September of 22, when Indiana passed a near-total abortion ban through the state, which they were able to do because of Dobbs, this professor started tweeting out on her social media and stuff like uh, Plan B and Plan C dot org and links to access abortifacients and various other abortion drugs. And she even said that she would help with access or cost. So I showed up to an event she was speaking at that was on the topic of abortion policy. And I interviewed her uh, about her position on abortion, and I collected all the information from her social media and what she said in the lecture and just threw it together in an article. Mm -hmm. And there I kind of thought would be the end of it. I didn't write an opinion piece. I decided I would just present what she was saying and put it to our readership and see what happened. But surprisingly, she like immediately started kind of backing off and saying that we were misrepresenting her position or that we didn't understand. Um, She even claimed at one point that I hadn't interviewed her, which fortunately I had a recording of that interview, so I could prove that I did. Um, But, yeah, that was kind of the situation, and we thought that we should kind of blow off steam, and she was upset because she was getting a lot of negative attention in the media. But the next April then, she issued a letter of intent to sue and asked that we retract the article. So, yeah, that summer it was, yeah, we had to decide whether we would, yeah, whether or not it was worth uh, kind of like us as students trying to stand up to mount a legal defense or if we should just retract and back off and not let anything bigger come of it, even though we knew we hadn't written anything wrong. So, fortunately, we decided that it was worth sticking up for what we wrote since we knew that we had published only the truth. And, yeah, that case was just dismissed last week. So she identifies as a Catholic, though. She calls herself Catholic, correct? Yes, she does. And didn't she, and I read a lot of stories on this in prep for our interview, didn't she also say that, yeah, well, there are some teachings I agree with and others I don't? So she was very open about how she felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she seemed to have... Uh, and yeah, she definitely wasn't hiding the fact that she supported abortion. And I think one of the quotes I had from my interview with her was, yes, my views run afoul of church teaching in like some areas, um, but right. in other areas I support church teaching. So yeah, definitely she didn't have like, and she, she was willing to recognize that it went against Catholic doctrine to support abortion, but she still did that. Right. Talking with Joe Durrill from the Irish Rover newspaper, irishrover.net. There's a great story, by the way, on their homepage about, about all of these developments and what happened with the lawsuit. I was really pleased to see the judge with all the... But, but the thing is, is you did some really good basic reporting. You, you recorded the interview, which is really, really important. You went back on her social media and had her public statements. You also went to an event where she spoke 
and, and took really good copious notes. And then the truth was out there. And then she's having a problem with this. And even the judge said, look, you can't be so public about your abortion views and then sue or complain when a newspaper on campus is simply reporting what you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was really the most surprising part of this whole case was, I mean, I felt that I was just presenting what she was saying to a pro-choice audience and turning around and giving it to our more pro-life audience that reads the Irish Rover. Um, but I wasn't trying to twist her position. I was like, her her words are speaking for herself. She's right. being very vocal about her support of abortion. So, um, yeah, I really the whole time I re- kind of realized, and why ultimately uh, we never actually really considered retracting or doing anything else with the articles other than defend it, is we felt that the only reason she could possibly be suing was just hoping that it would scare us off of our position and make us look bad and kind of put her back in favor in the public light if we had retracted the pieces then she would have said see like these students they were yeah i'm I'm not even really sure uh what she what she could have gained from that but yeah i think it was sheer intimidation don't you because she thought if she could pressure these college students that you'd run and hide you basically she was out there publicly she wanted to have it both ways right yeah pretty much i think that that's really the the only plausible yeah understanding of what was happening so what kind of feedback have you gotten since the uh, lawsuit was dismissed recently? Yeah, it's all been, yeah, really massively positive from students and professors and others who I've heard from. Uh, I haven't been back on campus yet since the dismissal. I'll, right. be, I'll be back there this afternoon. We start up classes this coming week. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think in general, everyone on the rover who was involved with the involved with the lawsuit is just kind of relieved that we can go back to business as normal. Uh, yeah, I know I, for one, am definitely glad that my last semester of undergrad doesn't have to be distracted with uh, dealing with this lawsuit and having that drag out through the rest of my time at Notre Dame. So yeah. I think that... Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead, finish. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that uh, I think that I will be able to probably get back much more to our normal operations because I think that a lot of professors and various other people who would use the sources who didn't know much about the lawsuit or what was going on just heard that we were in a lawsuit and it would kind of scare them off of commenting on just any story we were writing. So I'm glad that, yeah, now we're kind of fully vindicated and it's expressed through the courts that we didn't do anything wrong, which we knew all along, but I'm happy for how that will affect our writing and publication through the rest of the year. Okay, but question to you, my friend, and you're a good journalist, and you're starting out in a very good, strong way in terms of uh, if, in your future at journalism. There's a ton of follow-up here, because what's going to happen to this professor, some of the emails that I've been receiving, is this, this professor was so openly pro-abortion, even though my understanding is she did remove either some or all of her comments from social media, but you went back through the Wayback Machine and were able to, to find them, and then you had other information with your recorded interview. But a lot of mm-hmm. people, including our listeners, want to know what's going on with this professor at Notre Dame. Yeah, so right now um, she still has her, her same position. She's still teaching. She took the spring of 2023, she had a leave of absence that she said was already planned. Um, but she was back. She had one class last fall, and I think she's still teaching again this spring. So as of now, nothing has changed. Um, I'm not sure if the university is going to take any sort of actions um, now that it's shown through the court system that we were telling the truth and that, yeah, everything she did um, is as we reported it. So, yeah, I'm really not sure if there's going to be any further fallout from this. So I'm sure you'll be looking into this, though, because this is a definite follow-up story in terms of is she going to be taken to task or disciplined, or at least, you know, is this going to be discussed in some way between her and the administration, because this is a Catholic university. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we definitely will keep tabs on the story, and, yeah, we'll keep on reporting on kind of what happened through the whole course of the lawsuit and what the fallout is, if there's any sort of response to public statement from the university. Because, um, yeah, the university hasn't publicly acknowledged that any of this is going on yet. So, mm. Mm. yeah, I was kind of hoping that they were just waiting for it to be decided uh, so they didn't come down on the wrong side with any sort of statement. Um, 
but I guess we'll see. Right, because now that the classes are back in session, maybe something hopefully will come out this week. So what do you think you've learned and, and your staff has learned journalistically from this whole experience, Joe? What do you think? Yeah, journalistically, I think that, well, yeah, and the, the easiest takeaway is simply that it's always important to document all of your sources yep. and to, to keep all of your materials. I think that, yeah, our, my guardian angel is definitely looking after me and making sure that I, I kept perfect notes and perfect records on this piece in particular so that we were able to present everything to the court and it could be pretty open and shut. Um, but I think more big picture also, I think that now that we've gone through this and kind of had uh, a first instance of our views being challenged and people kind of taking us to task over what we believe in, being able to stand up for it and, yeah, defend it successfully over the course of seven or eight months in the court system. I think that it just was a very valuable lesson for all of us and the importance of standing up for what you write and what you believe in, what you say. Um, and seeing that, yeah, the truth can come out on top. Yeah, especially, I mean, here we are going into the March for Life uh, in, in an election year. How important is it, the exposure that you gave to this issue and to remind people of these core teachings of the Catholic Church? You're at a Catholic university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that it is, uh, yeah, it, people's kind of belief is very fractured and like we said earlier, that it's kind of a very common thing to say that I'm a Catholic, but I don't believe in this or I don't practice that aspect mm-hmm. of the faith. Um, so, yeah, I think as much as possible being to being put in a position to authentically present what the Catholic Church teaches, like, I think that, yeah, it's been important for us to realize that we really are in many ways blessed to be able to put forward Catholic teaching in a public manner and that mm-hmm. people are listening and paying attention to what we have to say. So I think there definitely is both a gift and a responsibility there. Well, I'm just really proud of you guys because you did really good you know, journalism. And, and the thing is, is that what you did, it's not it's something that, that every reporter should do this. I mean, this is basic journalism 101. I mean, this is the stuff I learned decades ago. I'm much older than you. But decades ago in journalism, my first journalism class, you know, you take your notes, you, you, you record, you document, 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 document. And especially recording interviews is huge. A lot of people don't realize that you have a legal right to, to record something. I mean, in various states, but most of them do allow that. And you let the person know you're recording it, and you have it on the record. I think at the end of the day, most people think they can intimidate uh, someone if they think they have a powerful position, like someone in professorship versus a student. But, but thank you for standing up for truth, Joe. Amazing. Uh, the website yeah, for the Irish thank Rover. You. Yeah, irishrover.net. Joe Durrell has been our guest. Right in the heart of this huge story that made national headlines. It continues to do so, and they're going to do more follow-up. You can bet that. irishrover.net. Our guest has been Joe Durrell. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Food for the Journey, Sister Ann Shield. You know, we would avoid a lot of difficult arguments just spouting off at the mouth, as we sometimes say. Just ask the Lord, give me the words to say. Maybe I'm rightfully angry, but if I just shout and yell and scream, what good is that going to be? Brothers and sisters, God can give us much more control over our anger, over our fear, over our language. And so whenever you're in a tight spot, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, what would you have me do here? God is good. I don't mean he's going to say words that will come down from heaven. But if you pause just for a moment, you'll get hold of yourself and you may well get a thought that you didn't have before. And sometimes it's just quiet, but it's enough to bring down the steam. And then you think what is really right to say here. You might be justifiably angry, 
How do we respect the other person while we're correcting them? Please, brothers and sisters, let us open our hearts to God in those moments. Sister Ann Shields gives you food for the journey, weekday mornings at 645 and again at 1130 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Dr. Ray Garendi. What's the definition of frustration? Frustration is the difference between the way it is and the way you want it to be. It's hard to change the way it is. The way it is sometimes is other people, life, circumstances. The way you want it to be is in your power to change. You can close the gap between reality and what you want. The smaller that gap, the less your frustration. It is always easier to change oneself than to change reality. Frustration isn't always what happens out there. It is how we look at what happens out there. Four minutes past the hour. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. On a cold Monday morning in much of the country, including right here in southeastern Michigan. Looking forward to our program tomorrow. We're going to be talking about a very important topic that has received quite a bit of attention, thanks be to God, but needs even more so. We're going to be talking about the issue of human trafficking. This month is actually Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And if you haven't seen the movie Sound of Freedom yet with Jim Caviezel, really need to check it out. That will be a good understanding generally of what's going on in terms of this problem. Very moving film. Finally, we were able to see it uh, on one of the um, you know, uh, streaming networks because in Michigan it, it was packed. Every theater was sold out for a long time, so we waited till it came out you know, on TV. Very, very good film, which summarizes it based on a true story, of course. But we'll be talking about that tomorrow with the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. We're also going to be discussing more pro-life talks, including the impact of the staggering rates of abortion on children diagnosed with Down syndrome. And they're considered burdens, but they're not. It's a life and they're joyful lives, and we're going to talk about that with a couple tomorrow and their experience with a Down syndrome beautiful child. Talk to you on a Tuesday. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connections.